0: The revolution is here—a movement of people free to live, work, and choose. We won't tell you what to think. We just demand that you think for yourself. This is Kibbe on Liberty. If we if we go off the rails, I'll try to bring us back in, but I usually fail at that. And oh, look!
1: <laughs> you are editing right later, right? Yeah. Who's that? Yeah, the hero. best one. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's um, for this show, we only do edits if something really stupid happens.
2: And try not to tap on the table too much unless you need to. <laughs> and <Wait>. another thing! <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah.
1: Should we, like, do we have promo? Yeah. That's a, that's a, beautiful uh, can.
2: a promo? Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have it in Germany. like. All yeah. Let's call them for All right, some let's have some yeah. beer. So you're going to open them up now, then? Yeah, During like the During the podcast? Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Well, the, po- the podcast has actually started. Remember the okay.
1: old
2: uh, German soft drink called Pschit? <laughs> 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 shit? No. It, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty old. It used to be because it made that sound, yeah. Pshit. But, I don't know, 40 years ago, they discontinued it because as more Germans learned English. The problem is I wasn't alive. <laughs> it sounded like,
0: yeah, <laughs> shit. It. it only so, looks old. so it... It literally tasted like shit.
2: Oh, it was okay. Yeah, but that was the name of it. And because of the linguistic transformation of the country, they discontinued it. Okay, cheers, Cheers. guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us.
0: So we are um, this. There's a lot of reasons to celebrate and be excited about being here because we are at the European Students for Liberty gathering. We've all gathered in person after two years of, of not so much doing that. Um, but I specifically wanted to talk to you guys because you're in the middle of a project of getting medical supplies and other desperately needed things to the people of Ukraine. And and before we get into that, let's just have everybody briefly introduce themselves. Uh, people know Tom Palmer, but Tom, what's your deal?
2: Well, I have the privilege of working with Atlas Network, which is a global network of over 500 organizations and I think 120 Two countries right now, and it allows me to be with some of the coolest people in the world, including those here at uh, Students for Liberty, Liberty Con in Europe. That's what I do. Tomek.
1: Well, Tomek is a uh, in Polish. It's a version of little version of Tom. <laughs> so I guess uh, it's also. It's t- a cooler something. way to say Tom. Is that fair? Yes, it's much cooler, yeah. than Tom. <laughs> but uh, it would be Tomasz in Polish. But even less cool um i run center of capitalism poland which is like ngo uh, which goal is to do a good pr for capitalism but specifically like last months years i'm more focused on building our less community less poland like underground network of friends and friends in liberty who are not only preaching liberty but actually doing it so who's your favorite economist um economist mises
0: okay so you're you're good people yeah we we talk hopefully, hopefully actually we actually every time I quote Hayek on this show we have to drink so I suppose we need to do that right now <laughs> well, I didn't quote him but <laughs> Let's um, spontaneous order quote.
1: spontaneous yeah. order
0: and uh, Andreas.
3: Uh, I'm the CEO of Freedom Today Network, which is like an international media company. But we focus on countries like Belarus, uh, Russia, Ukraine, Venezuela, where people really need help, where they can't get published. So we try to help them. That's why I stepped in also in this Ukrainian project.
0: Yeah. So let's get right into the Ukrainian project. And and Tom, I've been following this through your Facebook post and, and your colleagues at the Atlas Network. But talk about the idea that Atlas had To forget about like all the governments and all the All the official agencies that are supposed to solve these problems according to the the official narrative But you just you guys just decided to do something
2: Well, not only us and I mean these gentlemen and many others were really important initiators of a process Uh, I found myself in Turkey uh, as the Military buildup was moving up and then I got COVID and I got stuck in a hotel quarantine And was in touch with Ukrainian partners and so when the attack came we organized a webinar And my colleague from Georgia Ellen Sakashvili who's just a really farsighted person said let's create a ukraine freedom fund It's a great idea And we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars on that webinar with partners and, and friends from around the world And as soon as I could get out I immediately went to the uh, sporting goods shop, bought really warm clothes because Ukraine was really cold that time of year, and hopped on the next flight to Warsaw and then met up with her buddies there. I had been in touch with Andreas and with uh, Tomek. And this network of friends of friends of friends just moved out. My specialty, in addition to being able to drive and driving cars back and forth, was to raise money. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. But our buddies and and, uh, the men and women of this network have been, really have stepped up and, and found out what do they need inside Ukraine, at the micro level. This hospital needs this medicine. Find out our friends in Europe, say we can find that medicine in Denmark or Germany or wherever it happens to be, get it typically to Warsaw or Krakow, and then get them loaded and take them over to where they need to be.
0: So it's, it's really sort of uh, taking all of the existing relationships of the Atlas Network, all liberty people doing all sorts of things in all sorts of countries, and, and taking that decentralized knowledge and applying it to um, something. It's, it's not about thinking, it's about doing. And, I, and the thing I like about this story is free people collaborating to solve a problem that needs to be fixed.
2: You know, Tomek raised the question. We remember we had a conversation about, well, there's some advantages to hierarchy, people knowing what needs to to go where. But the outcome was we decided, that's not a bad thing. There are big hierarchical organizations that do good things like Red Cross and so on. But this also identified this very particular need, not big mass needs, but this one here here and here and here and here, and then found out what those people needed. And so these guys have just been really heroic in my opinion for stepping up and doing that.
0: So talk a little Tomac we'll start with you but talk a little bit about specifically what does that mean in terms of what you do?
1: Well, I was not like even planning to be involved in this uh, until one heavy morning for me when I was like playing chess on my phone in a meditation room and then I see a call from Andras Jurgens uh, on Telegram. I'm like thinking, okay, probably this guy still has, still is on a party. And I know, man, what's up? What's up, Andreas? And he tells me, Tomek, we need 2,000 vests. We have friends in Ukraine. Tom Palmer is coming tomorrow, and we have friends in America who can play, send some money. Can you arrange us 2,000 bulletproof vests? I'm like, I don't think if I ever like seen bulletproof vests. Like maybe somewhere uh, Amazon. I don't know. Okay, okay, I will find you 2,000 vests. So eventually we found like 300 vests next day. And the next day I was all in. Like we started exchanging calls about moving some people, evacuating some people, buying helmets, buying medicines. And uh, that's why we, me me and Tom and Andreas as well, we are still surprised how this emerged without actually any hierarchy, without uh, organization, also without any market signals. So the network of established trust had to be there in place in order like to satisfy those particular needs of of like downs of this logistic systems, because sometimes friends were the first days, for example, example, um, people were asking for medicines in Poland and hey, can you get me one of this medicine, one, one piece? Then you have to go to the pharmacy, spend one hour, stay in line to get this one medicine to be sent somehow to Lviv. People were questioning us, why guys you do it if there is like government agencies, there is NGOs who can like buy directly from the warehouses, from the suppliers, from producers, and they do actually transport them week after into the war they did, uh, into Ukraine with trains, safe and with big batches. I forwarded this doubts to our Ukrainian friends and they said, yes, we know these trains are coming, but they are slow. And we just know that in this city, there is no such medicine. So we had this network of people bringing medicines or whatever to a small underground logistics center in Warsaw where lots of friends of Tom, friends of András were coming and they were forwarding needs. We were just matchmaking those in need in Ukraine. So they were like contacting us what they need with people in power, people with with some uh, supplies or resources to help them. And this matchmaking was uh, created this mesh network of of people, individuals who did not even, they don't know Mises, even less they know what is Atlas network, but those were just people who either hate Putin or just wanted to do something good.
0: Wanted to help, yeah. And so like I heard body armor, I heard medicine, um, uh, there's been cars, right? Like what's, what's, what is, (laughs) if if I was uh, studying the menu of this
1: spontaneous
0: network, what well, could it's I order. open
1: menu. You just order what you want, that and then we, we 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 had to answer you when when is this available. Okay.
2: But there were some needs that were complementary to others, so you could get a bunch of stuff, but if you can't transport it, it's useless. And so our other friends, like Bartek, for example, he just found cars, and traveled all across Poland and found used cars. Found for me a 21st century car. It's a 2002 Dodge Chrysler Voyager. We took out the back seat. It's a great car, drove it all uh, through Ukraine, Um, and then I ended up buying Tomek's dad's car (laughs) as well for my second car. But there were things that ended up being complimentary purchases, and you didn't know that maybe in advance, you knew it when the need arose to, to yeah. respond to At it.
1: At some point, like every day we were sending another car because friends in Ukraine were calling us, hey, we need a bus, we need a jeep, we need something to transport bodies or transport supplies or whatever. And they were just sending us a list of cars. And in the meantime, Bartek or somebody else was looking for this car, but we don't want to send this empty, this car empty. So we are finding some, sometimes undercover soldiers, sometimes some uh, corps, sometimes uh, just volunteers, passengers who wanted to go to, to the Ukraine with packages, boxes, people who were sending stuff, people who, NGOs who were sending like big batches of supplies and you had to like arrange in one day that few cars with few people with 20 of different boxes they have to meet at one point to cross the border and then go also to this 20 different places, which was quite a uh, uh, quite a challenge. Yeah. And it was happening like every day uh, like we had to, we were not sleeping for for a few days probably mm, then it slowed down mm, and i'm not sure if it's about the war slowing down but also i think that uh, already uh, some supply chains are were established already people were had already connections had networks and things that had to be done had to be sent to ukraine or whatever had to be arranged like i don't know satellite phones helmets or ammunition uh, it had already its Roots of, of logistical routes to Ukraine. So such underground guerrilla group of uh, emergency aid was just not needed, and it's not that much needed in times which are a bit less chaotic than they were a month ago.
0: Yeah. So what's, uh, you're an agitator. Uh and and a member a respected member of the media
3: thanks yeah uh, from from my point of view I just can give the compliment back to 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 these gentlemen I mean I I called them at the beginning and they responded like after a minute yeah I'm in and Tom just said I fly to Russia Tomek said yeah we start like like he said before I mean to be honest you have to find these people and they are amazing from my point of view and then we started and then it grows and we uh, brought in friends like Fred, Maria. So Fred's wife is from Ukraine. So we get uh, established all the connections. And then we just started. started. I mean, to be honest, I don't even remember. Sometimes we didn't remember what day it was or what what week or was it Sunday, Monday. No idea. Not at all. Yeah. So then we started. And then, as you mentioned, as, as a media guy, I also used, I mean, used is the wrong term, used the possibility. I went to Kiev. I was in Butcher, Irpin, Borodyanka. I saw all the mass graves. I saw. I mean, that was. I, I could see um, into the hell. To be honest, that is just pure evil.
0: Yeah. There's no word to describe that. Yeah, the process here is some sort of combination. I was grilling Tom about this last night. The, the you have this network and you have this this, uh, in some ways, very old-fashioned people who trust other people who have certain skills coming together and solving problems and that's that's the whole process that we believe in as a, as people that believe in freedom but you also have some cool tech tools that have to turbocharge this and and one of the things that you're you're coordinating through through telegram whatsapp signal signal, signal. signal.
2: Facebook Messenger sometimes,
1: <laughs> I mean, whatever works.
0: Yeah, I but, do Signal, I'm told it's more secure, but you
1: know, I don't know. But don't give us too much credit. It's not like we are coordinating. It that, is somehow coordinating that's, that's, itself. Yeah. It just there is no one there's, there's no central group. group, there is yeah. no website. It's just we are on 50 maybe different Telegram Signal <laughs> groups and sometimes you don't know where to answer to whom. You have to like yeah. be constantly on five different apps with <laughs> different people. So Interesting. There's, a,
2: there's an upside yeah. and there's a downside. Sure. I get a message and it... Pops up on my screen, and if I don't answer, I say, Oh my God, what app was, was that it? on? Yeah. Was it <laughs> Signal or Telegram or whatever you. And we created and proliferated, when I say we, I mean all of us, groups dealing with uh, body armor. People who knew about that, groups dealing with cars, groups of people dealing with uh, drugs. Uh, yeah, med- what well, we could say medical supplies medical to avoid confusion. Andreas
0: has a whole separate business. <laughs>
2: um, and so on. Testing. And so those, they sometimes get a little bit out of control, but it meant that you could connect these people. So I've had now uh, friends, Russian-speaking friends in Turkey, who contacted me and said, what can we do? I put them in touch with Polish friends. They said there's a need now for Russian speakers to come and help uh, refugees. We have 4,000 people have just come from the east in this one area and they need Russian speakers there to help them sort themselves out and find housing and so on. And so I created a little group for Russian speakers coming to Ukraine for this Russian speaking diaspora who are opponents of Putin and and hate what is happening but want to help. So it is really uh, quite decentralized. But it also is the sort of thing out of which firms tend to emerge over time. Mm-hmm. We hope this doesn't last long enough for that to have to happen. Yeah. But initially, this is how social coordination happens. It doesn't start with a boss saying, I'm the manager of everything. That's usually not going to work. It starts from people making these connections. Uh, one other, for example, I was contacted by a former K2 Institute intern <laughs> who is buddies with another K two Institute intern, who's in Ukraine, so David, and Mikhail. because of an uh, age difference, I know the Ukrainian is Mikhailo, and he knew him as Misha, and he said, I'm in touch with Misha, and I said, okay, let me put you in touch with Mikhailo, <laughs> 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 the same person, um, but, but man, David has been just amazing, working with our German friends and sourcing all of these hard-to-find... Uh, things from Germany and getting them into Ukraine.
3: Yeah, and it's also so sorry. It's super hard to get, for example, like medical stuff, like antibiotic, and stuff like that, because you need prescriptions for that, and then you fi- need to find doctors who give it to you for free or, or mm-hmm. write you pres- prescription for whatever. I mean, I, I could never get like ten thousand paracetamol because I mean, the, the guys at the pharmacy were looking like, what do you want with ten thousand ten thousand paracetamol? I said, I bring it to the Ukraine. Okay, you can have it for the half price. It was always like that everybody was so helpful and i also want to mention atomic mentioned before uh, that we're going to bring for example cars into ukraine but uh, if somebody is going back we normally never go alone for example um i had i had a friend he's from the netherlands and his um what was it? Father-in-law? The family-in-law? Yeah. Family-in-law law was from Kharkiv. And they asked, Andreas, can you, do you know somebody who could help us? Yeah, I connected them with Tom and Tom brought them from Lviv to Warsaw to the airport and they fly to Amsterdam. And I think it was their first flight ever, maybe. So this is what we also do. Like rescuing people. Why? Because why should you drive alone back?
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about crossing the border um, from. It's always from Poland, I assume, into Ukraine.
2: Sometimes from Slo- um, Slovakia, and we so, have friends who cross from Romania also. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so getting in is one challenge, but getting out. You're 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 rescuing people too, right? Yeah. Talk about the process. I'm gonna throw this on you.
1: Well, the process looks like uh, most of them. Somebody asks us, sends us a request. What, who is where and. And even like if we don't have any person i don't know in Ivano-Frankivs or Vinica we asked people one. we didn't know a day ago on some signal group hey somebody maybe has this person yes i will connect you to somebody so there is so often like we did it with people that we don't even know tom when he came and we had this little little group chat uh, with our activist and tom asked me okay Tom but what are these people like what, this is some organization do, do you know them and i'm like no <laughs> I, I didn't know them like two days ago but suddenly and i saw it and it, it was proven that they were like people of high trust and and reliable uh, people
2: but it also meant just if, if you if you have extra seats in your car mm-hmm. go to the train station and just go and say does anyone want to ride now you know a mom and a child getting in a car with a man they don't know. I mean, this is a bit dangerous. And so there were people there who make sure they checked us, uh, called back to Poland, who are these people, have some authority or talked to a member of parliament, say, yes, I vouch for this person. And then, God bless them, they made sure that those women shared their phone numbers with the organizers, that they could call them. They had my phone number. uh, So that it's not just some guy picking up (laughs) A woman and her children that's a a scary prospect but they had security checks to make sure and then we took them and made sure in touch with their relatives or family or friends in poland or spain that we were in touch with them to deliver them i don't like that word to help them go to where they wanted to go
0: right is so i guess what i'm asking and this is ignorance crossing the border is it safe is it an open border are there checkpoints do people that, that, try to stop you uh,
2: checkpoints on the Czech border but pull points on the Polish okay, border yeah, fair, uh, fair enough. but we um, well in the sad thing is it was easier to go from Ukraine to Poland than Poland to Ukraine yeah uh, because of the bureaucracy and this is a thing that our our Ukrainian partners are fighting to to reduce these restrictions on bringing in all this life-saving material so we had friends. Uh, from Sweden and England who just spent five hours on the border. At least. And now yeah. Andreas is is uh, uh, publicizing this, and our Ukrainian friends are saying get rid of this. They already did it once. On my last three trips I had three and a half hours, two and a half hours, and then less than 15 minutes because our friends pushed through legislation getting rid of it, and then it came back. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, and, and, it's It's and madness. And it's, it's self-imposed harm by Ukrainian bureaucrats on Ukrainian people. But our Ukrainian friends get it, and they're trying to get rid of this just stupidity.
3: Yes, especially because they were super successful because of that, that goods could cross the border super fast at the beginning, that private people stepped in and helped. Because we talked to so many people, for sure, from parliaments, from all over the world nearly, and they thought that all the help which is provided is being provided from governments. And it's totally the opposite. Like ninety-five percent are being sh- being shipped in by private
2: people. Yeah, and, and it includes lots of organizations. Knights of Malta, NGOs, yeah, NGOs from Spain, from Catalonia, from Italy, from all over. And so it's when you see cars lined up, look at the license plates: Germany, <laughs> Spain, Italy, Denmark, Switzerland, Sweden, uh, and so on. And those are people who are connected to hospitals or clinics or um, uh, children's schools. A friend of mine right now, they're trying to evacuate 350 children with disabilities from Kharkiv. This is a difficult thing because they really need special transportation and special assistance. Uh, And finding the people who can get the right vehicles to be able to bring them, and then someplace where they can go and be safe because you can't have disabled children, children generally, in a war zone. And uh, this has just come people all over Europe and also from abroad, Canadians, Americans, Mexicans, Argentines that I have met who have been there saying, man, this is our our struggle too. We are here for you.
0: That's very cool. Um, Tom, you you had mentioned a number earlier, and I want to talk about uh, your role as sort of tapping into the Atlas Network donor base to pitch in on this. Um, You've been successful.
2: I think so. I'd like to be more successful, but one of the things that that we have done with our very generous donors was we said, uh, if you would donate to this fund, we make sure it all goes to uh, our Ukrainian partners for things they specify, that they identify, they have the knowledge we don't have. They tell us what they need. We get an application, we vet it, so we, we are very careful about that. Um, and these are trusted partners. And then usually with the Western European group, or just a partner within Europe, we'll partner to receive the money because that's where it's going to be expended, in Czech Republic or Romania or someplace for buying these uh, products, Poland and so on. And then get them to it, so it's been so far, well in excess of uh, $2 million, well over $2.5 million. Uh, dollars. And that's dedicated for several purposes. Uh, one is to help with these emergency humanitarian needs. Second, we want to make sure that the freedom movement in Ukraine stays alive. Yeah, you know, Their donors have been killed or fled the country or had their businesses bombed and blown up. And uh, they're all focusing on uh these issues as well so we want to make sure that the freedom movement is not extinguished by this because what will keep ukraine alive as an independent country is freedom this is really important and so we are also funding them to develop such things as menus of stupid idiotic laws that harm ukrainians to be eliminated Uh, to get rid of this smothering bureaucracy, which is a legacy of their uh, Soviet past, which has not yet been all swept away, to secure rights to enter and start a business and be an entrepreneur without having to have oligarchical connections, just so a normal person could launch a new business. And so a a portion of that also is to maintain that, that, so that after this horrific war is over, we don't know how it's going to end, We hope with the invasion stopped and pushed out that they will be able to create a really free social political and economic order in the country
0: yeah it might it might be an opportunity and i i had natalia on my show and um we were interrupted by air raid sirens and all sorts of drama Um, but it was just a few days after the ukrainian parliament um liberalized your right to defend yourself Mm -hmm. and to carry arms and and um from her perspective and certainly from mine too little too late but this i understand how controversial gun ownership is in 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 all of europe um, but beyond that to the point you're making it seems like an opportunity to point out that um economic liberalization means energy independence it means economic power. You have resources. And this is pretty true for a lot of, a lot of these countries that are, that are feeling anxious about what Russia is doing to Ukraine. My friends in Georgia feel quite anxious about it, and, and rightly so, but this might be an opportunity to say, you know what? Our national strength comes from the strength of our individuals. And I, I think there's an opportunity here for, to strip away the, some of the vestiges of the old Soviet bureaucracy ideology. Mm. Tom, Tom mentioned some laws. Uh, I think one of the most
3: important laws they get rid of r- right now was the law for importing cars. Because they had a tax of 150% yeah. of importing cars, which is like super idiotic. I yeah. mean, just even in reality, which, or, at or end, life. Would, would,
1: which at the end would be imposed on, on our volunteer drivers, yeah. who just volunteered to drive the car <laughs> and help us to move supplies there.
2: I, I had this problem. I- Drove in with one car that I bought and I left it with friends who took it deeper into the country and then I hitched the ride back and got another one. When I drove in the second time with the, the other car, yeah. they said, you came in with a different car, where is it? I said, "What? Well, it's, <laughs> it's in Ukraine right now. It was like, God forbid you would give something to the Ukrainian people for, right. to deliver humanitarian aid. I said, well, will you bring it back? And I said, if it survives the war, yeah, sure, I'm going to bring it back. And finally, one customs official, after all oh, this nightmare paperwork and being grilled, came and said, Look, he understood. This is crazy. He said, Do you just promise to bring the car back? I said, Yes. He said, Okay, good. Stamp, stamp, stamp. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, just, right. just promise. Just, yeah. yeah, all I had to do. But it was like this horror of the bureaucracy. And fortunately, they said, We have to get rid of this. And as one of our friends in parliament, Marion Tablatsky, put it on the phone to me, he said, restrictions that are harmful in war will not be helpful in peace (laughs) we want to get rid of them and at the end of this we want to have the the freest country let's get one of the freest countries in europe if not the freest and i think that is a noble aspiration and it is the smartest strategy for making sure ukraine is independent and not subjected to this again
1: yeah especially since we have example by by this whole situation for the last two months how much like private charity and you know individual activism uh, could help more than government and uh poland is a good example of it everybody's poland okay maybe not that much now but for the first weeks was super excited how much solidarity we could show with our neighbors how we could accommodate two million immigrants at our homes schools uh, gyms uh without that much of like organized top-down uh system from the government mm, that's i think something that people could look at later that maybe we actually don't need government specifically doing that thing because more effective is when when this information flows through individuals than through slow old-fashioned government agencies what is what is also sorry What is also <coughs> a huge advantage of what we are doing
3: is what when government's shipping in goods, they're being brought like for example to the train station of Lviv. and then nobody really knows where it's going. We pick it up where, where where we got it, like in Warsaw or wherever, and we bring it directly to where it's needed. So from A to B, there's no person between it. So it get it goes I mean down. there is
1: twenty people between yeah, it. Yeah, between it, but
3: <laughs> but you know, in, in general from where you get it and you bring it where it's needed.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, there was no leakage, let's <laughs> put it that way, which usually yeah. happens with the company. But it doesn't have to be all one or all the other. No. Usually the status type says, has the all government. I say that's, that's madness. It doesn't mean there's no role for government. No. Uh, but it means that we should understand the nimbleness of the voluntary. <laughs> sector to respond to these needs.
3: Yeah, and and, and uh, sorry, and also, I mean, we can't get, like, tanks or stuff like that. We don't want that. I mean, that's the, the, the job of the government. I mean, I, I don't want to ship a tank over to Ukraine, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I sort of want.
0: <laughs> I, I want a tank.
3: Yeah, okay,
2: yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we you can have one. one. Actually, I, I want to make a quick clarification. <laughs> sure. that all the money that, that I have raised, 100%, goes to non-lethal humanitarian aid, and we're very careful about that. If other people want to take in ammunition as governments, and some private groups have done that that's what they're doing we have focused exclusively on life-saving things and that does include body armor because Russian snipers do kill ambulance drivers and medics and they need protection and press and and we've also delivered now armored cars because the vehicles Tomek mentioned all the cars that we've gotten some of them have been badly shot up well, you don't need an armored car to bring it to Lviv, but if you're going to take it to Kharkiv or to Donetsk or Dnipro, it's much better to be in an armored car so that we have now a relay, non-armored cars bring it in, and it can be passed off to armored cars to take it yeah. to the hot zones that are dangerous. Tomek, I
0: wanted to, to, to go back just for a second, because as I understand it, Poland has done something unique and I think important with Ukrainian refugees saying basically, come here, get a job, you're allowed to work and you're allowed to feed your own families instead of being sort of pushed off into a refugee camp. And, and Europe's had a problem with, with allowing the, the flow of labor from one place to another. Um, is, am I characterizing that correctly in this case?
1: Uh, kind of. Poland used to be an example of nationalist state who does not want refugees uh, five years back. Now we are like, a contrary example. And it's not all Poland, but most of it. Because of course there are people who have problems and you can see how in political debate these topics already start. Okay, uh, who's gonna give job to them? Who's gonna give welfare? How do we educate these refugees? What about their healthcare? So it of course will create eventually some tensions and it does. But so far well, we, we are somehow excited about this uh, pro- probably long-lasting friendship with Ukraine that we even, we, like most of the, let's say, public, Polish public opinion, they, we even forgot about our own problems for these two months. Yeah. Eventually, we will wake up, probably someday in August or, or October, looking at our inflation, looking at, at our government bad decisions in the past many, many years, uh hopefully people will not blame it on on Ukraine government might try to
0: we may have to do a whole separate show yes. on Maybe. my governments <laughs> Waking up to inflation, but that's a topic for another day. They already
1: call it put inflation. Yeah. Mm. To have somebody to blame on. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned before,
3: I mean, Atomic Tomek mentioned, like the refugee crisis five years ago. The biggest problem in Germany during that time was that all the refugees who came, I mean, it was super cool that Germany did that, but they weren't allowed to work for 18 months. Right. And to be honest, wherever somebody of us goes and is not allowed for, to work for 18 months, what should we do? So this is like horrible. So it was super cool what Poland did, especially before the years before they were attacked badly because of not taking refugees.
0: Hopefully it's a model and it doesn't get confused with all of the other things that go on in a complex economy because I, I look at um, places like France. i paid some attention to this and the unwillingness of the labor unions and the government to sort of open up labor markets to
2: people coming in has been incredibly destructive. Well, the one thing is because they don't get it that people working are creating wealth, yeah. but they see it as, as taking a job. It's creating another job, if you will, and creating wealth that can be used to purchase the things created by other people. This so it Say's Law of Markets. Supply generates something that can be used to purchase what other people produce. You quoted a dead economist, so we have to okay, turn to there we go. Here's Jesus. The say. You don't say. But uh, safe law is important here. It's really Hmm. significant. And probably not for theoretical reasons, the Polish government got it. And so people can come and work and they create value and with it, the dignity of living their own lives. The last thing anyone should want are refugee camps. They're a catastrophe for everybody. Let them work now the polish liberals also understand that a lot of the welcome will wear away you know your your cousins have a hurricane destroy their home they come live in your na- in your living room that's great for a while at some point you need to make sure that oh, they trust can... me
0: my brother moved in once
2: and... <laughs> there we go uh, it felt so... great for, for long for week but but it means also dealing with things like uh, how can you accommodate them in school mm-hmm. system and yeah. medical care system and not have them perceived as just taking our benefits. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to be a difficult problem that, uh, again, the, the Polish free market community is thinking about this and how to address that. And normally the answer is allow more liberalization in those markets to be able to produce the goods of education, of creches, because most of the refugees are women with kids. Well. Who's going to watch the kids while they're working to support themselves? There needs to be some sort of system for that. And those are issues that, that need to be addressed in a thoughtful, systematic way and not have the mentality too many you have, oh, the government will take care of that because they won't.
0: Yeah. So we talked about WhatsApp, but uh, um, one of you guys was mentioning Bitcoin as a piece of this puzzle too. And this is a libertarian podcast. And when I hear Bitcoin, I get all excited. So. <laughs> Explain explain uh, this piece of I, I think it's not just Bitcoin, it's crypto in general. Yeah, crypto. I mean, we,
3: we use everything what's
1: available right now. Uh, Andreas uh, <laughs> did a lot of Bitcoin crowdfunding and this whole operations uh, gave few uh, examples how much we need uh, uncensored private money, like Bitcoin is, because like with, once we had this f- few examples, once we, Friday afternoon, Somebody was sending me money for the car, I was sending somebody money for the car. We had like a few thousand dollars locked in this old-fashioned Swift system. And you could use this money only on Monday 12, while you need to pay cash to the car dealer. How are you gonna do it? And there was, at the time, there was a run on cash in Poland. It was hard to get, you had to scribe like 50 dollars, 50 dollars from various ATMs. It wasn't a problem with Bitcoin ATMs. Transferring this money wasn't a problem with Bitcoin. It was, it was very quick, it was cheaper than transferring like, and getting donations from US and from, from other countries. It was easier to crowdfund, it was easier to send big amounts of money uh, because on I wouldn't get probably big amount of money on my account because first I would get a call from bank or from tax tax office. Hey, tax office, <laughs> I think. where is the money from? Like, show me some documents. I will send you this in two days with Bitcoin. Nobody checked it. And uh, we could do it quite safely and, and uh, quickly.
2: There's another shout out, though. Maybe you could talk, Andreas, because a mutual friend, uh, Faisal, who runs Ideas Beyond Borders, great organization, um, and he's connected to the Signal Foundation and you connected with him and got donations that way yeah, yeah. also. So,
3: so the, the guys from Signal App, they created an own coin. It's called Mobile Coin. I don't know how safe it is because it's right now a better version, but it, it looks super safe. So you can transfer money via the app and you can just send it in one second. So I got money, donations from them in from the US and Mich- Michailo Misha uh, got it like five seconds later. And he could use it. And what Tomek mentioned before, I mean, it goes on my nerve if we have, for example, like $20,000 for four days, which we can't access. Because we could buy whatever we need and that could save lives. So...
0: And the signal guy—it's—it's it's personal for him.
3: Yeah, it's personal. The, you know, especially the CEO of Mobile Coin right now. His parents are from Odessa, so that's why they stepped in. Because for sure he has a personal interest. But I love him. The whole team of them are amazing. They try to help as much as uh, as they can. Uh, and like uh, Tom mentioned, Faisal is also great. I mean, he did a
0: lot of good work in the Middle East, and he connected us. So because. Cool. Um, so Tom, if somebody watching this wants to invest in this project, I know Atlas Network has set up a, a place where they can go.
2: It's very easy go to atlas and on the top of the page it says you can support in uh, Ukraine Ukraine Freedom fund click on that it's all explained and we are scrupulously careful on number one only non-lethal humanitarian, aid. Number two, 100% down to the uh, billionth of a Bitcoin uh, goes to uh, Ukrainian projects. Uh, and we're very careful with how it's spent. And one of the things I should also mention, I'm very proud of what um, flinty Skinflints, our partners are at always finding the cheapest way to satisfy the need and saying, we can get this cheaper here. We'll talk to a company, as you said, we'll give it to you for cost. Uh, Pharmaceutical firms that when approached by the right person say, we have this in stock, you can have it at our cost. And then getting it into the right people with this network of volunteers. And I would have to say it's many hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, in labor costs that are donated by this array of people who just stepped up and said, "I'll do that. I'm willing to drive 16 hours to yeah. deliver these things."
1: If you drive have, 10 and wait six on the border, <laughs> <Yeah>. well, that, <laughs> that's and, from Vasho.
2: <laughs> but 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 and sometimes under scary sure. situations, uh, all of these people are volunteers. So that money that's donated is being complemented by the volunteer labor. It's like doubling your donation to get exactly what needs to go into the right place. And the last thing is. So many people are so wonderfully helpful to refugees escaping, and God bless them. It really moved me to tears to see all these Polish people out there helping people, feeding them, people dressed as cartoon characters to greet traumatized tiny children at the train stations. Really astonishing. Ours is all inside Ukraine. So, and I love the people who do it for those who are coming out because they need the help. But we have focused exclusively on things inside Ukraine and sometimes in these hot, scary places.
0: And also at the same website, you can find all of your you, Ukrainian partners.
2: Yeah. Well, um, uh, we, yeah, they're listed there, so you can check them out. I will mention that people listening should also be a little bit aware. Anytime there's a crisis, there are terrible people who exploit other people, say, so raise money for Ukraine or. Right. This earthquake or whatever, and and they're cheating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are donating, make sure that you check. And so I'm going to say it about us too, <laughs> right? Make sure you check the bona fides. That you look at it. Make sure this is a reputable organization. Uh, if you're going to donate to something like that, it's important because there have been some scams that have. It's just such a hateful, monstrous thing to do, but. Right it's our po- our human population has some of those people well, it's but, the way it is
3: but, but but i think we are super successful because of tom mm. i mean all the people like we know each other since the years uh, we trust each other i mean i wouldn't do that without trusting these people because i don't risk my life for
0: like idiots or something yeah. like that <laughs> yeah you can't you can't replace trust with um, something else
2: well and, and let me mention we had a good a bit of a trial run for this with the afghan collapse we had partners in afghanistan And it was horrific when the Taliban swept through, and I was in touch with them constantly, using WhatsApp in this case, as they were being hunted by murder squads, and finally were able to get substantial numbers of people out, we raised money to help them on an emergency basis. And once we knew something about that, we did it again in the Ukraine case, uh, let's hope we don't have to do this in future and we can go back to business as usual, which is incremental improvement in government policy to help societies be freer and more just. But in these emergency cases, uh, what
1: else can you do?
0: Yeah. Tomek, if people want to check you out, your organization, where would they find you? Check me out. Check <laughs> you out.
1: At Twitter Instagram. <laughs> uh, LESSEFR.PL, Centrum Capitalismo.PL. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. All right. We, we didn't even, like, honestly, me personally and our organization, I don't think we ever, like, posted anything. Atlas Network was doing that. They have more, you know, observers, etc. Just we didn't have time to do this social media. So it's not even, like, people that don't know that we do it. It's super easy. Freedom Today
3: Network, ftn.media. You can find everything. If you also want to donate, we created an own organization for Students for Liberty in Ukraine. It's called StandWithUkraine.ch. So, but it's still, it goes the same way like the Atlas Manny, so it's it's still the same people, all our friends. And that's also, I wanted to mention something why we are here. Um, I wouldn't do that um, without, uh, I mean, these people are my friends and I would never leave my friends alone. And there was just a famous quote, um, which Tom quoted, uh, if somebody needs help, Students for Liberty are there. I think we could now push it a little bit back. So
1: now we are there for them. Well, it's important also to mention uh, that our friend in Ukraine, Misha Lavrovsky, who is an uh, activist and very, very honest and good person fighting. And he runs a think tank. And <laughs> it's also because of him we are doing this. So cheers to Misha. Cheers. cheers. And to freedom. And Slava Ukraini. To a, a rare <laughs> to happy <Europa>. story about <laughs> Ukraine. Hopefully. Yes. Thanks.
0: We will. Thank, God. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. You know how I know when a show is over?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was good, yeah. My beer's interesting <laughs> timer yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I thought like for a second
0: somebody brought us glasses now
3: we're going to whiskey but then yeah. I saw
2: the water <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so, someone <laughs> actually <laughs> thought water but I, I don't even know what that's for showering okay thank showering. you is that okay guys yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
2: let's just do it again Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get right this time oh wait yeah the camera wasn't running <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> so,
0: Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed that show, make sure that you like and subscribe. Click the little bell so that you get notifications. And if you consume this via podcast, go wherever you want to go. We're everywhere. Kibbe on Liberty. The revolution starts now.